It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer, coming to you today, hopefully with some enhanced sound. Some listeners may or may not have pointed out that it sounded like I was broadcasting the last couple shows uh, from a basement or locked in a bathroom stall somewhere. Uh, So I have my regular microphone here ready to go, little inside baseball for you. We record all these shows not just to go to your favorite podcasting platforms, which are Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. You know the drill. Download, listen, rate, subscribe. But we also record them via StreamYard on video so we can tweet out fun video clips and so I can see my guests one-on-one. It's like we're actually there together. I think that always makes for a better interview. But long story short, I had just been using my laptop microphone. So now I have my real microphone. So here we go. Hopefully you all enjoy my uh, booming voice here today on a uh, special edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. That's because we have some big Boston sports media news to discuss. And it also is national sports media news too, since Dennis Eckersley was a national voice. He not only is a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, uh, but he was on the uh, national MLB telecasts with CBS, uh, with TBS rather, with TBS for the last few years. So The whole country got to hear Dennis Eckersley, which is a great thing because Eck is one of the best. And uh, he said Monday in an interview with the Boston Globe that he's retiring from Nesson at the end of the season. He did about he did 75 games this year, roughly his schedule for the last couple of seasons. And Eckersley is walking away from the booth for the best reason possible. He and his wife want to move back to his native California to spend more time with their grandchildren. And that right there encapsulates one of the reasons why I have so much respect for Eckersley. The broadcasting business is filled with people who stay forever. They get those jobs and they don't give them up. And there's good reason for that. They're fun jobs. The schedule during the season is grueling, yes, but you have a lot of time to recuperate in the offseason, and there's a lot of visibility as well. They're good jobs. They are premier jobs. There are only 30 Major League Baseball teams, after all, or 30 NBA teams, roughly 30 NHL teams, 
NFL, as we know, these national broadcasts and even local radio broadcasts, not many opportunities available there. So once you get one of these jobs, uh, you generally do all you can to hold on to them. And you don't leave until they force you out. But that's not Dennis Eckersley. Eck has never put the job ahead of his life. I mean, I'm sure Nesson would have loved it if he agreed to announce every single Red Sox game this season, but he didn't want to because he values his personal life above his professional life. And that's something that's a rarity in today's business. And it's one of the reasons why I really have a lot of respect for Dennis Eckersley, who is the embodiment of a great analyst. He checks all the boxes. He's funny. He's charismatic. He's knowledgeable. And perhaps most importantly, He's passionate. It was revealed in the Boston Globe article Monday, in which Eckersley announced his retirement, that he still makes it a point to go home and watch the West Coast games. Think of that. Dennis Eckersley is a Hall of Famer. He's been around Major League Baseball for decades, and he still has so much passion for the game of baseball that he goes home after a full Red Sox broadcast and watches the West Coast And you see that come out in the telecast where Eckersley really does sound like he actually knows what he's talking about. And he actually knows about the players who he is talking about. Again, that's something that you can't say for every analyst out there, sadly. And Eckersley will, of course, be remembered for his his eckisms, high cheese, all of that. But he'll also be remembered for the fact, and I'm talking about him like, in the past tense, I'm only using that, of course, in a broadcasting sense. But as an announcer, yes, the echisms were great and his sayings were great and he was funny and he was insightful. But the fact that he was a straight shooter, I think, was his best quality as an announcer, especially for Nesson, a network that is owned and operated by the Boston Red Sox. And you just have to go back to his back and forth with David Price in the summer of 2019. I'm sure you all remember that story. Uh, Dennis Eckersley criticized the Red Sox pitching staff on a Nesson studio show. Yuck, I think, was the, was the line that he gave to describe the pitching staff's recent performance. David Price took issue with that, verbally confronted Eckersley on a team flight. And Eckersley didn't back down, and he didn't care. And they actually organized a meeting, the Red Sox did, So Price could apologize to Eckersley, but Eckersley didn't attend the meeting. And why didn't he attend the meeting? Because he didn't see a reason to, as he told our Rob Bradford uh, back at the time. And Rob actually replayed his interview with Eckersley on the Bradford show this week. That's worth checking out as well. So think of that. You have Dennis Eckersley, a team broadcaster, getting into a very public spat with David Price, the highest paid player on the team, the unequivocal ace of the team. And Eckersley does not back down. Eckersley stands his ground and tells his side of the story. Those are the actions of somebody who's confident in himself and confident in his job and confident in his status. Again, that is a rarity. And I think if I were to describe Dennis Eckersley in one word, to really encapsulate why he is such a great analyst, it's that. He's a rarity. 
the way he prepares, the way he engages, the way he interacts with those of us who work in the media outside of the broadcast booth. He's, I have not dealt with him all that much personally, but we've messaged on Twitter a couple of times. We follow each other on Twitter and he pays attention to things. There have been several times over the last few years where I've seen that Dennis Eckersley retweeted one of my stories and I'm like, really? Eckersley's reading me? It shows how much the guy prepares. He reads everything and he'll be missed. He'll be greatly missed. He's a great announcer. And again, Nesson, I'm sure would have loved to have him on a full-time basis or closer to a full-time basis over the last couple years in the booth, especially with Jerry Remy's condition. But Eckersley said, no, he wanted that balance. And now he's walking away to spend more time with his grandchildren, which is uh, quite admirable indeed. So hats off to Eck. We'll enjoy hearing him for the rest of this Red Sox season, given the way the Red Sox are playing. Uh, he might be the only thing left to enjoy about the Red Sox this year. And now the question is, what's next for Nesson? Given Jerry Remy's health situation over the last few years, they've had to mix and match analysts. Since Remy has not been able to do a full 162-game schedule, they've had Eckersley, they've had a few others mix and match. And this year, after Jerry's passing, Eckersley was identified as the number one car analyst. But again, because he didn't want to work every game, the Red Sox were forced to go with a mix-and-match approach. They bring in Kevin Euclid, they bring in Kevin Millar, uh, they bring in a few others to work the booth, and it made sense to do that this year because, again, Eckersley is one of the best in the game, and you organize your schedule around his availability. But now that Eckersley is gone, and the Red Sox once again entering the 2023 season will be asked to make Nesson Booth, I think they should really find a color man and stick with him. And that color man should be Kevin Euclid. He hasn't been perfect, which isn't a knock on Uke. He's a broadcasting novice. That's to be expected. But he checks a lot of the boxes that I would look for if I were Nesson and I wanted a color analyst. He is a recently retired player relatively recently retired. So he has firsthand knowledge, but players still playing in the game, managers still managing the game, coaches still coaching in the game. He was at the forefront of the analytics movement. Of course, the Greek God of walks, we all know that. So he can speak knowledgeably uh, about analytics as well. He's been entertaining in spots, telling some good stories from his playing days. He has an easy chemistry with Dave O'Brien or the other analysts who are up there when he's part of a three-man booth. He has the name cachet for the Red Sox as well. So I think Euclid would be a great choice to be a full-time analyst if he wants to do that, of course. And yeah, there may be some rough spots because again, Euclid is just starting in the job. But Jerry Remy wasn't perfect when he started in the 80s either. I mean, Eckersley started with Nesson in 2003 and didn't do much in his first few years with the network as well. So that's what happens. If you want to break in a new full-time analyst, you have to be willing to go through a few growing pains. And I think Euclid would be worth that for Nesson. And after several years of mixing and matching, and again, they had no choice given Jerry Remy's health situation, Eckersley's schedule, but... Now that they have a chance to start anew, I think they should really select a color guy and stick with him. 
Enough with the mixing and matching. Let's go with the team and try to develop a team and develop a following around that team too. Uke, you already have the nickname. So Sports Media Mayhem endorsement. Next full-time Red Select our analyst is Kevin Euclid. And I'm very interested to ask Dave O'Brien about that, about what he sees as the best path forward for the Nesson booth. Uh, he joins me coming up in just a few moments. So very excited about that conversation. Um, but before I get to O'Brien, a couple of notes here as well. Uh, speaking of the Red Sox, I hearken back to 2011. Of course, they had the 7-20 and 20 September. It was a complete disaster. And we heard all about chicken and beer. Well, this offseason, I don't think we're going to hear stories on that level. That would be quite difficult. I mean, not well, those were bombshell scoops. But I think we're going to have more, not ugliness, but there will be more dirt uncovered once the season ends. You can kind of feel that happening, right? Look at the reports that we've read over the last couple weeks. Alex Spear of the Globe had a story on Tuesday that those within the organization were confused about the Red Sox approach at the deadline. Our old friend John Tomasi for NBC Sports reported last week, players on the Red Sox don't feel like obvious holes were addressed. The Christian Vasquez situation was a debacle. He was allowed to take batting practice just minutes before he was traded to the Astros last Monday. And Alex Cora has said, since that he knew that a deal was imminent for Vasquez. Vasquez knew that a deal was imminent, but he asked Cora if he could still take batting practice with his teammates while the trade was finalized. And Cora said yes. And there he was, leading to a very public string of goodbyes and a very awkward moment all around. And that shows you there may, that may have been an act of resistance from Alex Cora and others with the Red Sox against trading Christian Vasquez. Uh, I think there is a disconnect between Heim Bloom and this front office and Cora and the players and those on the ground. That's a tale that happens all throughout Major League Baseball these days with the proliferation of analytics and these Ivy League guys in the, owner, in the, in the front office suites and the guys down on the field. I mean, sometimes this year, it seems like Alex Cora is playing the old Art Howe character from Moneyball. So I think once the season ends... We're going to have more of a drip, drip, drip of, again, I don't think anything nearly as salacious as chicken and beer. That would be hard to replicate. But a drip, drip, drip of unhappiness within the clubhouse, confusion about the direction of the organization. I mean, just look at the fact that Heim Bloom, after trading away stalwart catcher Christian Vasquez, acquiring Eric Hosmer, making some significant deadline changes, he wasn't even in Houston to address the team. He waited until the following road trip last weekend in Kansas City to address the team. And when Cora was asked about that on WEI last week, he was kind of noncommittal and said, well, that's Heim's meeting. That's his responsibility. That's his job, not my business. This is essentially what Cora said. Not really a strong affirmative backing of your general manager. I'm sorry, chief baseball officer either. So yeah, I do think there's a disconnect in the Red Sox organization. I think we've heard about some of that disconnect so far. And given what I've been reading the last couple weeks before and immediately after the trade deadline, we're going to hear more of that 
at the end of the season, especially if the Red Sox stay in last place and out of the playoffs. And speaking of disconnect, last note here, then we'll get to Dave O'Brien. There is an obvious disconnect with the Patriots at training camp. This offense, according to all reports, has been brutal. And in a way, this validates what Bill Belichick's mindset always has been about the media. Bill Belichick learned in Cleveland, the media can't hurt you when you win and can't help you when you lose. And Belichick has won six Super Bowls. He's arguably the greatest NFL coach of all time. And yet this training camp, they're changing their offense, some new coaches, and at the first sign of trouble, the Patriots are getting killed. Now, yes, it has to do with the fact that Bobos like Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are seemingly running this offense. Belichick has not bought himself a lot of goodwill, given his uh, surly demeanor, to say the least. But still, you would think six Super Bowl championships, greatest dynasty in NFL history, greatest coach in NFL history. Again, Belichick, you would think that he may be granted a bit more leeway, but no. They are getting crushed for what reportedly has been a horrible training camp performance. And in a way, that kind of validates Belichick's attitude towards the media. They can't help you when you lose, can't hurt you when you win. And we'll see. Should be a very interesting summer as we go through August here and look at the coverage of this team throughout training camp, the spin that could emanate from Foxborough. Very interesting indeed. But speaking of interesting, Dave O'Brien has sat next to Dennis Eckersley Many times over the last several years, he has a lot of great Eck moments and a lot of great insight again into calling baseball games this year, the Red Sox broadcasting schedule, and what's coming next for the Nesson booth. My conversation with Dave O'Brien is coming up on the other side. It's a Sports Media Mayhem podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. Thank you, as always, for listening. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so welcome back to the show. As I was saying in the open, a uh, perfect guy to talk to today about Dennis Eckersley and the Nesson booth overall this season and where it could be going forward. Dave O'Brien, voice of the Boston Red Sox. Dave, how are you, sir? Alex, great to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to see you as well. Um, we were talking about this a little bit off the air, and then I'm like, no, no, we need our good stuff when we're recording. So <laughs> we'll dive back into what we were talking about. You've worked with Eck now for several years with Nesson and done a lot of traveling with him as well and spent a lot of time together. What about him stands out the most to you? The incredible honesty uh, on the air and, and off the air, but start with the on the air stuff. I think people realize that it, working with Eck, you're, you're working next to somebody who almost has a free form way of broadcasting, which is very different from anybody else, because basically what comes into his head winds up on the air. And, and it's all from an honest place. So I, I'm going to miss that. A lot of people will say, oh, I'm going to miss the, the terminologies, the salad and the pair of shoes and all that stuff. 
and and I I will too because that's unique and that's Dennis. He's actually been doing that since he was a teenager using those phrases. That's not like something he creates for broadcast. He was talking like that when they drafted him and when he broke into the big leagues at 19 years old. I'll miss all of that, but you know what it's like when you get to work with people that you really like and they become friends and they become people you rely on to tell you the truth. And nobody does that better than that. Look, we, we both know he's gotten himself into some trouble uh, doing that at times. I don't think he could care less. I think that honestly, with maybe one significant occasion that was well publicized, uh, I don't think he has regrets about uh, anything and, and doesn't have regrets about how he handled anything. So God bless him for that. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, the what you're alluding to as well, Eck just comes across as a guy who's very confident in his place in the game and himself. And, you know, I think, too, something that you always notice just watching him, and I think they mentioned it in the Globe article in which he announced uh, his retirement, is the passion that he still has for the game. I mean, he goes home after doing a full days of work with you, broadcasting a full game, and then turns on a West Coast game. I mean, this I don't I don't think every analyst, especially one like him, who has a Hall of Fame resume, been around for decades, is doing that. And it shows in his work when you watch it, you say, wow, this guy not only clearly likes the, loves the game, but knows all these players, which again is not something that you always see, I think. You don't. Uh, I don't know anybody else who does that. Uh, I, I know managers who do that. Alex Cora does that. Aaron Boone does that. Uh, but not analysts who, who don't have that kind of skin in the game invested. But I think he, he truly loves baseball. It's hard for some people to understand because at times the game can be plodding and as boring as hell. I don't think for him it, it ever really got that way. And he always finds something in every broadcast or a game that he's watching uh, that intrigues him. And he gets excited about it. And that's what you want from an analyst. You want a guy who can communicate what he sees, does it honestly, and and shows real passion for it. So he's a unique guy. Uh, I've been trying to get him to uh, talk to somebody about writing a book about his life for about five or six years. And he refuses to do it. And part of the reason is he said, you know, I have to be completely candid about everything or I'm not going to do it. Some of that stuff he doesn't want to go near again, you know, uh, because he knows he's going to have to be 100 uh, percent honest. I say stay tuned on that. Maybe someone will get to him and say, hey, here's the deal. You can't refuse it. That hasn't happened yet. Um, but I'd read that book. I think that book's a bestseller in a minute. Well, we do follow each other on Twitter, me and X. So if you if you want to slide around my name, I, I like that project and the advance. I'd probably come along with that project. I'll, I'll take 2% of whatever you can convince him. We'll call it a deal and uh, and see if we can make that work. I'm on, I'm on board for that. Fair enough. And what we were also talking about before we hit the air, and I mentioned this too before you came on in the opening of my show, is one of the things that I've respected most about X is the fact that, you know, and there are reasons for this, but he has put his family and his personal happiness above his professional life from the standpoint that he worked 75 games this year, which is a lot of games, but I'm sure you and those at Nesson would have loved him for more than 75 games. And he resisted doing that. And now he's walking away. still at the top of his game to spend more time with his grandchildren. You know, I mean, you've been in broadcasting for, for a long time. That's not something that every, it's not something that everybody does. And it's rare when you have somebody in today's day and age, put their personal happiness above, you know, perfect, perfect, not, I mean, he's at the top of his game professionally, but you know what I'm saying? That puts their personal happiness above all this. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's a lifetime talking. That's what that is. That's a lifetime of, frankly, making mistakes. Uh, you know, families in, in, in put in very difficult situations, families coming apart, uh, marriages coming apart, and that's just not going to happen anymore to Dennis Eckersley. And, and I find that so refreshing uh, because, look, he's making good money. It's not about money. He's made money. Uh, he doesn't have to make more. It's about, hey, my grandkids live in Oakland. I'm not going across the country to continue just to do a job, a job he loves, but a job, uh, and miss seeing them grow up because he's missed those opportunities with his own kids. He's missed those opportunities in his other marriages. And uh, the other thing that happened, which I find really sweet, is that his wife, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer is his third wife, she fell in love with the grandkids too and uh, and has become like another mom. And he's found that so endearing. So uh, he just doesn't want to mess this up. He's got a wonderful situation there. He's going to be living in Oakland now. The bummer is, and there are a lot of them with, with this, the, the, you know, one of them being I don't get a chance to work with him anymore. But I'm not going to get a chance to see him anymore. None of us are. It's not like he's walking into Fenway Park once a month or twice a week or whatever. So uh, that friendship that you develop with somebody, uh, you know, kind of gets put on hold. Uh, and that, that part of it really stinks. It does. It does. Yeah. Zoom is just not the same as we've learned during not quite. this time. <laughs> no. Not the same. Um, so you also, in addition to Eck, have worked with several other new partners this year, including Kevin Millar, Kevin Euclid. They have the same first name and they both played, played the same position. But I think that's where the similarities between them end in terms of their style as analysts. And we've talked about this before. What's it been like breaking in with those two guys who, you know, Euclid is more of a broadcasting novice than Millar, but just working with two guys new to the Red Sox booth who just have such different styles. How do you, how do you find, how do you find your rhythm in a situation like that? I, I think it was really good practice at that. And all that's true. Uh, working with Jerry and Eck. Yeah. Because even though they played together and they wore the same uniform, the way they came at the game was very different, obviously pitcher hitter, and we love that mix, but very different guys. And uh, I think that what I learned getting in the booth with those two at the same time and trying to help bring them together was that you have to spend time before the game finding out what they're good at before they do it in the broadcast. And so that's what I've tried to do with all of these guys is try and figure out what their strengths are because, you know, Kevin Millar, who was only going to do about 20 games. So, I, and I frankly don't expect that to increase next year, but Uke's a different story. Um, you know, figuring out like what it is he likes to talk about, what his strength is as an analyst in, in Uke's case, uh, that's been really interesting because he had one foot in the dugout. Uh, he was interviewing for uh, bench coach jobs and assistant hitting coach jobs before he took the broadcasting job. And I think he's figured out he really likes it. He really enjoys it. You talk about a guy with great passion for baseball. Um, so, you know, that's I, I hope that comes out. I think it does. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so you've had a couple years where you've worked with multiple analysts. It's been kind of a rotating door. Um, do you, would you like to get back to working with just one person? I think any play-by-play guy would say yes to that. Um, and other broadcasts that have had that luxury, I, I think it makes for a, uh, it, it certainly makes for an easier show on the talent and everybody in the, in the, on the crew. And, you know, it's like producers, directors, you know, they're, they're also worried, the camera guys, they're also working with a lot of different people. Some say the variety is great and yeah. maybe, maybe it is, but I, I happen to, I'm really old school. I get it. Um, you know, probably sounds like a get off my lawn guy when I say, I really do like the idea of one partner every night because I think there's a chunk of the audience anyway, and I wonder if you agree with this, that likes the sameness of that, that mm-hmm. likes to be able to lean on that every day, uh, every night uh, in, in their in their chairs at home or wherever they're watching the ball game. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but it is true. I mean, it's such a unique experience following a baseball team day in, day out. It's six months, um, and I do think there is – Part of that, that is true, where they become a soundtrack of the summer and people, I think, really identify with their local team, which is a huge reason why Jerry Remy became the Rem Dog. And, you know, because he was in everyone's living rooms every night for decades. To that point about Jerry, uh, we had Jerry, you know, for most of the final season uh, before he passed away. And all through that season, you know, he, he must have known, obviously, that then the following year without him was going to be many different guys testing many different talents. And he would say often if he got hired under those circumstances, he would have lasted two weeks. Right. You know, in this age of social media and, and coverage and, and the pressure that the stress right. that can be on, by the way, which I think is ridiculous at times. I mean, we're we're bringing you the game. We're not playing the game. You know, the announce crews get way too much attention, in in my opinion, in Boston. Uh, but Jer- I think Jerry felt like, you know, if, if you if you would have taken him and put him in a young man's body again, recently retired and, and put him on the air today, given his skill set as a, as a broadcaster, gone in a heartbeat. And mm-hmm. he almost was even then. He, he used to say the Globe would sh- take a shot at him one week, the Herald the next week, the Globe the next yeah. week. And, and it would go like that. And it went that way for years. And you think, wow, he turned into an icon. He, he turned into a great analyst. Um, but he never yeah. would be given that chance today, probably. No, and that's a great point. I mean, because you're right. He, it, it takes time to develop as a full-time broadcaster. Jerry went through it. And even Eck started with Nesson in 2003 and didn't really do much with the network for his first few years. And now you don't have that luxury. You're thrown right into the lion's den. Yeah, you're exactly right. We. When he started, Alex, he was pre and post. Right. And he did that most of his career at Nesson. It was really only the last six, seven years that he really started to get on as a game analyst. And and then, I mean, I think the national people totally blew it on Dennis Eckersley. And that includes Turner. They had an opportunity. I can say it because a lot of those people, I'm not offending anyone who's there now because they didn't make the decision. But whatever, you know, group of folks made the call, he should have been the lead analyst. Yeah. Doing national games. He should yeah. have been on ESPN, on Sunday Night Baseball or Fox. Right. I don't know how they blew it as badly as they did, but Dennis Eckersley should have been a, a national icon. And, you know, they gave him 
some part of a package, but it wasn't much. They made a mistake on that, and and uh, I hope somebody regrets it. Yeah, and to get back to Euclid real quick, you mentioned that it's been interesting finding what he likes to talk about as an analyst, what his strengths are. So now, you know, well more than halfway through this season, what do you think those are? Well, he's great talking hitting. We knew that would be the case. I think he he's really good at putting you in the batter's box, and that's the thing he's most comfortable with. Obviously, with that, it's always going to be pitching. Uh, Remdog, a lot of it was defense and defensive alignments and how you play defense. And I think that uh, that's probably it. He he likes to have fun. You know, he likes to have fun. I don't think he'll ever get personal. I don't think he'll be overly critical about players. And, you know, I, I think there, there are steps that he's achieving. He's really, really uh, coachable. And most athletes are because they've been coached since the time they were little kids. And the really good ones, those are the guys who make the big leagues, they tend to be incredibly coachable. So you say one thing, and you've been in television booths, so you know you know where the monitors are. And learning to look at the monitor uh, instead of the field is not natural. You've mm. got to be able to, well, here comes a replay, boom. So initially he was like spending most of his time looking at the field, like 100%. Right. Uh, and I would, I would just try and steer him over there, and the producer would too. But that took about... 10 seconds and he and then he got really good at it in in so that that's the thing about you that i think our crew really appreciates he's coachable he'll take criticism he'll he'll take direction really well you don't get a big league attitude about it and uh and that's great no i mean i've had the pleasure of interviewing uh you a couple of, a couple of occasions for my other gig at out sports um where profile gay athletes i spoke with them ahead of red Sox pride night as an ally and he gave me such thoughtful and nuanced and really smart answers, which I really appreciated because when you, that topic comes up, a lot of guys, you know, mean well, but they give you kind of boilerplate type stuff. So mm-hmm. really smart, insightful guy. Yeah. And that's, look, in our market, I think you've got to do that. I think you've got to be sort of a cut above, you know, boilerplate's a great way of putting it. You do that and you're dead, I think, as an analyst. You, you've got to bring, and you've got to bring some personality and like his, his love comes through too, like uh, Franchi Cordero hit a, a walk-off grand slam. And I mean, he came out of his chair. Absolutely. Now, yeah. an amazing moment and all that, but he was laughing through it like a player would while you're racing out to throw Gatorade on the guy. That's And so that, that childhood appreciation of things is still there for him. What keeps you going after all these years? Uh, strictly the money. It's... Uh, it's <laughs> It's just about, it's like, no, I'm, I'm pretty much the, the same way. I mean, and, and you know this, but probably a lot of people don't know or care. I'm pretty busy in the off season, right. so-called. I mean, I do college football and basketball and then right into, I, I love doing sports. I've called over 5,000 major league games. Uh, I, I always find, this is what keeps me going. I always find something in every game, Alex, that I've never seen before or some nuance on that that I've never seen before. And it might be just something like, a guy stealing a base and the way he slides to avoid getting tell you like, Oh my God, I'm like, and Pedroia would do it five times a, a, a summer. You'd be like, I've never seen that done that way before. I think that's probably it. It's uh, it's your own curiosity about seeing something done differently, maybe done better, just done in an unusual way that keeps me going in all sports and in everything. And, and the, the the I think in the end of the day, even bigger than that, it's just man, what a privilege it is to 
it's going to sound stupid, but to some people, but walking into a, a booth like Fenway Park, when you grew up coming to the ballpark and they're, they're saying, okay, this is where you get to work. And you you feel lucky, and and every every booth and every basketball, football, baseball, whatever I've ever I've ever done soccer match, I've always felt privileged to be there. And there's there's kind of a voice telling you, you know, you're you're 12 years old, you don't belong here. Uh, and I hope I never lose that. Yeah, and I guess the moment you do is that as a time it's start start thinking about walking away, right? I mean, so yeah, yeah. right. That's exactly right. And if you know when that happens, you know. That's it. It's it's time to go. And when you don't get if you if you fail to get a little nervous mm. before a broadcast, like I'll bet, you know, before you do anything. Yeah. Uh, you got a little sense of stress, of course, nervousness, anxiety. And if that doesn't kick in anymore, that's a good sign. Time to go. Yeah, I've been sweating a little bit under my arms, waiting for you to sign on. So I, 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 uh, that was that was because of my my ridiculous uh, technological ignorance no, no. that you were sweating. That's why. Yeah. No, you're all good. Um, last question, Dave. What is your contractual status with Nesson? Will you be back next season? Yeah, I will be back next season, and uh, and probably uh, several seasons to come. Uh, at this point, that's that's my goal, and. I, it seems to be everybody's goal who, who's in charge of that. So um, who we're going to be working with, Yeah, uh, I can't say 100% because some of this was some of this was a test to see if it would click and, and how it would click. And then with the knowledge that Dennis Eckersley, who did, is going to do 75, 80 games this year, that he's going to be gone. So that's a gigantic hole there. I think the bet I would make with people is you're going to see somebody else too. Next year, at least one more maybe more than one new face. Hmm. Um, and at some point, um, I think a decision will be made on, you know, who the, who the real standard people are in the booth, but um, that's probably going to happen next year. We like it. Dave O'Brien, you can hear him every night calling the Red Sox on Nesson. Dave, always great to catch up with you. Thanks. You too. Thanks, Alex.